Welcome everyone to the Obet Torah, Harlem Alon Daf Yomi Shiur. Today's Shiur is Daf Kuf Mem Chet. We will begin at the new Mishnah, the 23rd Perik of Shabbat, which deals with laws of things that are, um, things that are ra'ui for Shabbat. What are you allowed to do on Shabbat in speech? Sho'el Adam Mechavero Kadeyayim Vechadeshemen. A person can borrow from his friend on Shabbat um, a barrel of wine, a barrel of oil, as long as you don't use the word uh, lend me. You're allowed to borrow, but not lend. Also, a woman could borrow from her friend. She's allowed to borrow kikarot. A kikar is a loaf of bread. As long as she avoids the same idea, the term halva'ah. We'll see why in the Gemara. Let's say you're trying to avoid it, you're trying to avoid it, but the guy doesn't trust you, that you'll give it back. You're allowed to leave collateral, even on Shabbat. Then after Shabbat, you can take the time to make an accounting with the guy. We know on Erev Pesach, on the 14th of Nisan, you have to bring a Korban Pesach. If a person is finds himself on the 14th of Pesach without a Korban, so if it's a regular weekday, a Tuesday, so you go to the store and you buy one. On Shabbat you can't, so what do you do? If, if Erev Pesach falls on Shabbat, what do you do? Meniach talito eslo. Again, you can leave a collateral, a talet as collateral, and you'll take your Pesach from the guy, from the salesman, and you'll settle it after Shabbat. So the rabbi asked Abaya, why is the word halveni so bad? So he told him, So Abai answered that the word Hashileni has a connotation of an immediate repayment. And therefore, no one's going to end up writing that down. We're worried you might write that the the giver might write down the loan. So if it's expected to be paid immediately, so the giver's not going to write down the loan. But if it's expected to be repaid in 30 days, which is the standard loan, the giver might be inclined to write it down. And therefore, the word halveni, since it could cause the giver to write it down, is asur. That's Abai's answer. So Rabbi Babachanan asked on him, If if the two terms are interchangeable during the week sometimes, look if a person is not makbid on the terms, the interchangeable, you might also end up using the word hashileni on Shabbat and write it down. So the answer to Gemara, no. Since the rabbis only let one language, not the other one, it's obvious and they won't come write it down, which means that the, the seller will actually look at the terms. And the fact that one term is allowed and the rabbis prohibit using the language of halveni, that in itself is the reminder. And linguistically, that reminder is enough to make sure that he doesn't write it down. It's not, it's not 
the term that that it's not the term, it's the fact that one of them is Asur, which reminds us not to write anything down on Shabbat. Says the Gemara four lines at the bottom. Once the, these two rabbis were talking to each other, we're going to have we're going to record another machlok between them. Mechti, let's see. Amr Rabbanan, the rabbis say, There's a rule that anytime you're doing something that's that that could be that's done on a weekday and on Shabbat, you should try to change it. So how come the rabbis don't try to change the way the women fill up their water jugs from the from the from the water from the water well. You're right? When they and the rabbi answers, and the more answers, Abai answered, Mishum because it's impossible. There's no way to change it. Hechi Lavid. Why is it impossible? Because what do you want us to do? If I used to use a big one, you want me to use a small jug? Then I have to make more trips in order to get the same amount of water, and you're giving me more work. And you try, always try to do, supposed to do less work, not more work. You don't want to change if you can do more work. And if you want to tell me, okay, so take, if you're taking small ones, take always bigger ones for Shabbat. No, then, you, then each load is heavier. We don't want you to do anything that might be more work. If you want to say, okay, don't do any more work, just cover it with a handkerchief. You'll end up squeezing the handkerchief when it gets wet. Maybe you want to tell me I'll take one of those wooden covers that are tied down, and these wooden covers that are tied down will never, you'll never come to squeeze them. But sometimes the. Uh, if you have tied covers, the tie ends up ripping, and you might come to tie it, which is isu deoraita. So when it says hilkach loefsha, therefore there's no way to do it. The same two rabbis are asking the next question. Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah. On Yom Tov, you're not allowed to clap with the music or t- tap your hand with the music, and you can't dance. Uh, this detail is an interesting thing. A person should be, when you're singing at the table, uh, you sometimes see people clapping in an unusual way. This is because it's a sort to clap with the music. And he says, We see people do it, and no one protests about them. You see people clapping with the music, and no one says anything. So the rabbi says back, according to your reason, we mentioned this before, a person can't sit at the edge of your mavui, right by Rishut Rabim, where from one where an inch away from where you're sitting. <coughs> Excuse me. Where an inch away from you're sitting, you're not allowed to carry. We tell you don't sit there because still What if a uh, something falls out of your pocket, and you might end up uh, picking it up and doing isur de oraita of carrying, of transferring the shuyot. That's an isur that Rava mentioned. But we see all the time that they do sit there at the edge of the mavoi, and the rabbis say nothing to them. So it's more ella hanachisel. Rather, the reasons why they leave him is because it's better to leave the Jews 
if you have a Isur that you know the Jews are not going to be able to listen to your rule, don't tell them about the rule. It's better that they show gig on the rule, or but because if you tell them about the rule and they do it on purpose, it's mezid, it's much more severe. Now, the people who were with him thought, we can only say this on Isur de Rabbanan. But if you're doing an Isur de Rabbanan, we would never say this rule of Mutav Yushogim Vayum Mizdin. It's not so. Even on the Oraita, we will say this rule of Mutav Yushogim that Tosefet Yom Kippurim de Oraita. Because this rule of Tosefet Yom Kippur that you're supposed to add, just like you're supposed to add to Shabbat and this mitzvah de Oraita to add a minute or two at least. We do 18 minutes when we do light candles. But at least a minute or five minutes to add to Shabbat. There's a Yisur, there's a uh, a mitzvah to add to Yom Kippur as well. Right? You see that people eat till the buzzer. Right? Till the buzzer. The rabbis don't say anything to them. Obviously. So you see that even on the Oraita, the rabbis will allow you to uh, do mutav shu shogigin. Now, uh, we we don't say this rule on anything that's beferush in the Torah. It's only on things that are uh, learned that from a from a dirasha, but not from things that are learned beferush in the Torah. Now, in order to understand the next part of the Gemara, you have to know the following introduction. It was asur in the time of the Gemara because of rebit to lend the kikar be kikar. It's not the oraita. It's asur, not the oraita. But asur, not the oraita. But uh, a person who has, let's say, he has a bushel of grapes, and he lends it to his friend. Now, a bushel of grapes has a price on the market, and the price goes up every day. You could check on the commodities market, and you'll see the price of. A, a barrel of wheat, a, ba- a bushel of grapes, whatever it is. Now, if a person borrows a bushel of grapes from his friend, he is not supposed to return the bushel of grapes because since the price goes up or down, let's say the price would go up later. And if the price goes up later, he'll end up paying back, the bushel of grapes that he took was worth $5, and he'll end up paying back a bushel of grapes which might have gone up in price and then is worth Ten dollars, and if so, it's like it's like he paid five dollars interest for the five dollar loan, and therefore, when you borrow grapes, you're supposed to figure out what the price is price is at the time. Figure, go to the market, see that it's a five dollars for the for the thing of grapes, and you'll pay back five dollars or five dollars worth of grapes, but not the actual grapes. Don't pay back the same amount of grapes because the price could go up and down. Now. All that is when you buy a case or a bushel, a big, big amount. But if you're just buying one bunch of grapes, it's a small amount. There's machloket Hillel and the hahamim, whether that's mutar or asur. The Gemara says that Hillel says it's asur, and the hahamim say it's okay, because you don't have to be careful with when... That's true when you're buying a, a bushel, but not when you're just taking a handful or whatever it is. So says the Gemara, we learnt... In the Mishnah, it says a woman can borrow from her friend a kikar. So you see from there, it's only a surah on Shabbat. You see that you now use the word halva'ah, 
on Shabbat, but it sounds like it's okay during the week. Now, why would it be okay to borrow a kikarot during the week? You see the Mishnah is going against Hillel, because Hillel doesn't allow borrowing small amounts of food and returning them, because he holds that's the same thing as Sabbath. Until you figure out how much it's worth, because maybe the price will go up and you'll do the beat. So over here also, you're not allowed to use the word anything that has to do with money, and therefore you see that the Mishnah wasn't written by Hillel. Or it's not necessarily. Maybe Hillel did write the Mishnah. Or was the author of the statement that was said in the Mishnah? The Mishnah is talking about a place where everyone knows the price of the kikar. And therefore, we don't have to worry about the beat because even if it goes up, you're going to pay the amount. And of course, everyone notices the price when it goes up. And the Mishnah where Hillel says it's a sewer to do a small amount is about to the Lokis That's in a, in a town where the price goes up and down. And it's very, very hard to figure out what the price is. And we're worried that the price will go up and you won't notice it. But not necessarily was the Mishnah written by Hillel. So the Mishnah continues further. Let's say he doesn't believe him. Then. We said you could leave Vitalet with the guy. And that's not a problem. Itmar, we learned. Halva'ot Yom Tov, lending things on Yom Tov. Right? So you lent it to someone on Yom Tov, but you didn't mention this is a loan. According to Yosef, since you didn't mention it's a loan, right? You are not allowed to take go, take take him to Bedin. He has to pay you back, right? Uh, but Bedin cannot enforce it. For Rabbah disagrees. Rabbah says you can go to Bedin, and Bedin can enforce the debt collection. The rabbis don't let you go to Bedin because if we let you go to Bedin one time. He, the mal, the malve is gonna have to write it down, and he because he doesn't want to forget it. But now, and he knows he can't go to Bedin, so he's not gonna end up writing it down. According to Rava, we say we let we let him go to Bedin, even though there's a chance he might write it. But he holds if we don't let him do it, people are gonna stop lending other people things on. Yom Tov, and then if a guy doesn't have something, you'll lose that Simchat Yom Tov. People will lose that Simchat Yom Tov, and therefore Rabbah holds that you are allowed to collect it in Betin. Now, we're asking a question how can Rabbah say that you, can't, that you can go to Betin? It says, If you don't trust him, you could leave your talit. Amishnah said, If you can't go to Bedin, that's why you have to leave your talit by him as collateral. If you know that, if you say that you're allowed to go to Bedin, why would you want to leave your talit by him? 
You could take him to Betin, you could take the guy's talit, you could take everything you want. Why do you have to hold the guy's talit as a collateral? You could actually take him to Betin. The guy wants to tell it, maybe, really, you can't, Rabbi will answer you, really, you can't go to Betin. So then why are they leaving a tell it? You leave a tell it because the guy doesn't want to go to Betin. I know I want to be able to handle it without a Betin, that's why I hold you tell it, so I can make sure I can get my reimbursed, get reimbursed without the Betin getting involved. Mativ Rav Idi Barabin. Rav Idi Barabin asked a question. If a guy slaughters a cow, let's say you have a guy who shechted a cow on Yom Tov, and on Rosh Hashanah, he gave it out to all his customers. Everyone took a piece. If the month of Elul was a leap month, it was a 30-day month, then, Mishamesh. Mishamet. Then, if it's a 30-day month, and that means that there's two days of Rosh Hashanah, and the first day of Rosh Hashanah is really, is really the last day in Elul, and the first day, and the second day of Rosh Hashanah is the first day of Tishri. And it happens to be that we're talking about a year that we're going into the eighth year, so they're going out of a Shemitah year. And the rule in that year is that any loans that are around on the seventh year get forgiven on the eighth year. So this loan, the guy who who takes a $1,000 cow, shechts it on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, gives out all the pieces, and now he's owed $1,500 retail price for the cow, right? He loses all his money because no one paid him yet because of Rosh Hashanah. And then when the next day comes, the day after Rosh Hashanah, it's already Bet Tishri, second day of Tishri, and all the loans got forgiven. So you, no one owes him any money. He lost all $1,000 that he put into it. If it's true that you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to collect in Betin, so why do we say the words, you have to leave the loan? I don't have to leave the loan. There's nothing to get. You can't get, and anyway, there's no loans from Yom Tov you're allowed to collect in Betin. It sounds like you're allowed to collect in Betin, but here you won't be able to get it. But in standard, you're allowed to collect in Betin. Ah, uh, you see that you're allowed to collect like Rabba, Rabba, not like Rabbi Yosef. Yes, no, really, you know, I collect. But over here, Shani Hacha, over here it's different. You know why it's different over here? I'll tell you. Because, because over here, you realize that it was the 30th day and that wasn't Rosh Hashanah. And that's why you're allowed to collect. But in general, you're not allowed to collect his against you. Tashma will bring your proof. Misefa imlav. We said if it's not mubad, and of a shemet, it's not pushed off the stuff. It doesn't push off the loans. Iam bishlam alitava hanitani and of a shemet. 
if you're allowed to go to Betin, that's what we have to tell you. You, have to, you can't collect in this case. But if you're never allowed to collect in Betin, why would we bother telling you that you don't have to, that you, that you could allow the loan to continue? Answer the Gemara, no. When we said Mishamet, it means, no Mishamet, it means that if he gives it to you, you'll take it. Of course, um, you can't collect the loan on Yotov. But this that we said, that, it, that it, uh, the loan stays, that's telling you, not that the loan is actually here, we're saying that if he wants to give you the money, you could take it from him, but the loan is not here. Michlal says, if that's true, that means Diresha. That means that in the first case, right, where the Chosh Il is Mi'ubad, we're saying that if you give him, he shouldn't take it. So the Gemara says, well, if you're understanding that the Sefer means, when it says, it means that you're allowed to take the money if the guy wants to give it to you, that sounds like Reisha, which says, that you lose the loan, doesn't mean that you lose the loan, it means that if he gives it to you, you can't take it. Right? It can't be. You could always take the money. Rather, the Gemara says, no. But Reisha, when we said the Reisha Mishamet, Mishamet Ani. That means that you have to tell him, I give up the loan. When the Reisha says, oh, if it's the double day and you have a 30th day of, of Elul, you give up the loan. And the Sefer, it means you don't have to tell him I give up the loan. Because it's not like learning the Mishnah and Shavit. Let's say, it's Shemitah, gave up your loan, and the guy comes and says, oh, I owe, here's the thousand dollars I owe you. Bashavi'it, Yomalo, Mishametani, yes, tell him, no, I forgive the loan. Shemitah came, I gave it up. Vimomelo, Ahabikin. And the guy says, no, who cares? I want to give it to you anyway. Then, he kabem and you'll accept it. Mishumshinemar, Vizet Devara Shemitah. He says, this is the word of Shemitah. The word of Shemitah means you only have to say Amashmit. But if the guy gives you, you're allowed to take it. Shemitah says, Rav Ivya, Shakil Mashkona. Rav Ivya, when someone would borrow him on Yom Tov, he would take a Mashkon. Rav Ula, Me'arem Amimi. He would sketch. He, basically what happened would be, is he would take something from the guy after Yom Tov, as if he's borrowing it, and he would hold it until the guy pays. So he wouldn't take anything on the holiday to make sure the guy pays, but he would come over and say, oh, can I borrow that silver cup? I'm having a Shev Berachot. And then he would continue holding the, shev, the cup until the guy paid back what he took on Yom Tov. Now, we send the Mishnah, Pesach, you're allowed to buy a Korban like that also. Amar B'yochrim, Maktish Adam, Pischo b'Shabbat. Persons allowed if Erev Pesach comes on Shabbat, according to Rav Yochanan, even though you can't do a korban Pesach without making the animal holy, this is what you're allowed to do. You're allowed to make it holy on Shabbat. So if Erev Pesach falls on Shabbat, you're allowed to make it holy on Shabbat. I'm Rav Yochanan. 
לחגיגתו ביום טוב. לקורבן חגיגה יקדו על יום טוב. says the Gemara, name of the Messiah, let's assume that this is a proof. It says, וכן אין פסק בירושלים שלך לראות בשבת, ונראית אותו עצוב ונותן לו בשכו. הוא עושה מוכר שבו נחל יום טוב. We said, if a guy is on ערב פסח, he has no קורבן פסח, he can go to a guy, buy a קורבן פסח, right? And leave his talep on the guy to make sure he pays him back. But you see from here that even though there was a shortage, sorry, you see from here that when Ere Pesach falls on Shabbat, you could leave a talet and, and you could take an animal. Now, by taking an animal, you must be making a kodesh. Right, you got to make a kodesh before you offer it, so therefore you see that you can make a kodesh on Shabbat. It's a, right? This is where no. The case is that the seller knew that people are going to come buy Korban Pesach from him, and he was Makdish, his animals, and when you bought them, it was already pre-Mukdash, and therefore you can't bring a proof from here that you allowed a Makdash an animal on Yom Tov because this was pre-Mukdash ones. Yes, but it can't be pre-Mukudash ones. You're not allowed to sanctify an animal on Yom Tov. So how, how could it be born that day? Here it's different. You know why? Since this case, this guy always buys his animal from this particular guy. So he knew and he did it from beforehand. And that's why it's like the guy's mone, even though he didn't do it. Doesn't it say a person could go, if he's stuck without an animal, could go to his regular shepherd? And get a, sh- a lamb for the Pesach and Makdisha and Yotzebo. And you see the word Makdisha sounds like he's being Makdisha on Shabbat, like a Yochanan. No, not necessarily. That case also was a case where the wise salesman was Makdisha before and he knows his customers who's coming and he's Makdisha for them. You can't say he did it before. It says, Makdish, he does it on the day. Maris says, no. Hektish, when he said Makdish, really it was Makdish from before. And he just does the better Hektish on that day. But it was ready in Mikdash from before, and you don't do Hektish on Shabbat. Did Yochanan really say this rule? That you can Makdish on Shabbat? Right? All these things I saw in Yom Tov and Shabbat. And one of the things is Makdish. You can't make a sacrifice. And he holds always like the Stam Mishnah. This is the Stam Mishnah. Says, no. 
כאן ברחובות שקבעו להם זמן, כאן ברחובות שאין קבעו להם זמן. It depends. If it's a קורבן חובה that has a specific day, and it has to be done this day, then it's okay. But if it's a different day, then you're not allowed to do it on that, on a Shabbat or Yom Tov. ברוך אדוני לעולם. אמן ואמן. We're leaving off at the Mishnah on the Mechel Amor Bet.